0: Let us turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, and begin our scripture reading there, reading on down through verse 17. So 8 through 17 of Colossians chapter 3, let us turn to that and read, listen attentively. Hear now the word of the Lord, but now you yourselves are to put off all these Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do uh, in word or deed, do all In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. May the Lord bless us through this text. Let us pray momentarily. Our Father and our God, we pray that thou wouldst work these words in us, even as we've already talked about the Word and the Spirit. Take these words, O Lord. Challenge us with our own sanctifications, with our own cases, our own lives of sanctification. Use these words here, O Lord, to awaken us unto a greater effort to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Well, we come here to uh, this word on uh, sanctification or uh, maturing in Christ uh, the word sanctification comes from the word sanctus in Latin, which means holy. And so this is the process of becoming uh, more and more holy. The holiness in itself is a bit of an elusive word because it is um, it, it, it doesn't just have a simple meaning like righteousness. When we're when to become more holy, it doesn't mean that we're just becoming more righteous. Uh, holiness is a term that relates to God himself. You'll note passages like Isaiah where, uh, Isaiah 6 where it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Uh, God is uniquely holy because holiness refers to the, the character, the being of God. And with the Lord, it means that God is the perfect being, that he's wonderful, that he's majestic, he's glorious. And, the, and the, uh, his holiness, he, we, we can never be holy as he is holy because he's divine. But the idea is that we become more and more like him as he reveals his wishes for us in the Bible. He tells us, he gives us the Lord Jesus Christ as the, our greatest example of what a human being should be like. And and so we look at Jesus and we, we can look at the righteousness of Christ. We can look at the spirituality of Christ. We can look at his willingness to, to do what God has called us to do. In other words, obey God's law. We can look at all of these things and the whole amalgamation of them uh, can be thought of as becoming more holy so the, the idea of holiness can be defined by many of these virtues and we we just have to realize that that god has created us as his as a special creature uh, dogs and cats we can call them good but but we are much more Complex than a dog or a cat in terms of our behavior. A good a good dog doesn't bark. Let's say a good dog doesn't bite people that come to the house. A good dog doesn't jump on people. So those are relatively easy things. But a good human being, a man who's good, or a woman who's good, or a child, a boy, a boy or a girl who's good, um, it's a, it's a good bit more complex than than that. Now I've chosen for the sermon. If, if sanctification is this becoming more like God as he revealed himself to be, if that is the process, then we see here that um, what we're focusing on here and what this passage focuses on is there's a real rational component to becoming more like God. Uh, the word rational means having, it has to do with the mind, has to do with how we think of things uh, with our brains. Uh, so I want to I want to say I want to focus in the, on this sanctification process, this rational rational sanctification. I want to focus on the hopeful side of this, upon the good news of this, because many of us might think that we might hear the obligatory nature of sanctification. We know we're supposed to do these things, but then we might be kind of befuddled by how we do them. The The subject itself, the idea of becoming more holy, might, might seem so ineffable. It might seem so difficult to define that we just wonder, well, how do I do this? Is there any hope? And especially as we see ourselves and our own tendencies to sin, our own wantonness, our own lack of spirituality we say oh there's no hope for me that's just the opposite of what the bible would tell us here the bible lays out some methodologies here for sanctification by the words and the terms that it uses so that it would encourage us to say you are not helpless in this process not only does god call you to be holy and good and perfect you know that he calls us in the scriptures the imperatives be ye holy be ye righteous so he calls us to be this way. There's no, there's no alternative. We cannot, be, we cannot be Christians and be scufflaws, scoff at the law of God or scoff at what God tells us to be about ourselves. We have to take it seriously. But as we take it seriously, we also need to be hopeful. Now Colossians is about, it really focuses on Jesus Christ from beginning to end. It's a very Christologically mature, developed book. And so you won't be surprised to see here that all of this process of sanctification feeds out of the work and the power of Jesus Christ. We've already focused a lot on Christ. So if we're confident about Christ in the earlier parts of Colossians, then we ought to be confident of Christ's ability to work his power through us in the process of sanctification, and so, if I can just review some of these, these, uh, these aspects of the 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 broadly the broad considerations of sanctification, um, we know that sanctification has to do with us being made holy or or better people in our work in our lives. We know from our catechism uh, uh, that sanctification is not. An act of God's free grace that takes care that takes um, takes place momentarily, like justification. If we if we if we're living out in the world and we come to the Lord, we, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. As soon as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, um, we have we have His credits to our account. So that's not something that we that we that we uh, that increases in our lives. It's an all or nothing thing. Do you believe in Christ? If you do, then you have all the benefits of Christ in terms of a good standing before the Father. So that is a single uh, act of God's free grace. He pardons us all at once, even though it's not worked out in our lives. So that's an act of God's free grace. We identify that with justification. This, sanctification, what is sanctification? The the Catechism says sanctification is a work of God's free grace, where he more, more and more works this out in our lives. Uh, more and more enables us to become the kinds of people that he wants us to be. So it's, uh, it's, it's being made more holy, more good. It's a work, not an act. Um, it, it, what it reduces to, in a simple, a simple illustration, it reduces to us becoming more like an Israelite or more like a disciple. The, in the Old Testament, the people were to become Israelites. And uh, the Lord would often use the word circumcision. He'd say, uh, you know, are, are you circumcised or are you not? Are you an Israelite or not? If you're an Israelite, then you need to behave in a certain way. And, and the same way Jesus would talk to his disciples and he challenged them uh, to be true disciples of his. So the, the picture of a disciple or an Israelite is a very good uh, picture to have in your mind. And then uh, what, we, what we're emphasizing in the sermon here is that the mind... Our brains play a tremendous role in this. And that's really good news. It it shows us the way that we can learn about this and begin to work it out in our lives. So we see in the first verse, verse 8, we see how this begins. Uh, The Lord says to us through the Apostle Paul, but now you, you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language uh, out of your mouth. And uh, then he has some other things after that. And then we see in verse 12, he says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. So, and then there are things after that. So the Lord puts before us these pictures of, taking off, or putting off, or putting on. He wants us mentally to see what he wants us to get rid of, and then he wants us to see mentally what he wants us to put on. And and our, as our brains take this in, we have a very good idea, a very concrete idea of how to begin. We, we put off one set of things, we put on another set of things. And as, we, as, our, as our minds look at this project and and our our focus upon these two sets of things, the things we put off, the things we put on, then, uh, you know, we can can do better in our lives. It's like the Lord, make a simple illustration, the Lord wants us to be, let's say, well-dressed. Wants us to look handsome. So he says to us, you know, take off the dirty things and put on the clean things. Take off the things that you've been rolling around in the dirt with and uh, take those off and get rid of them. Take, you know, get, take a shower, you know, get cleaned up and then put on these new things. So the Lord would have us in this process to go from be, be looking abused and worn out and downtrodden to coming out and looking really spiffy. To looking um, like we're well taken care of by the Spirit of God. And so this is a this is a mental thing. It is uh, something that um, that we can do. You know, it's not like <coughs> um, um, uh, both Caden and, and uh, uh, Chris have worked in track and field and running and trying to get their times down and that sort of thing. And it's not like the Lord comes out comes to us in the church and He says. Okay, okay, boys, you know, boys and girls, uh, I want the church to really be highly operational. So you need to you need to go out and run a mile. Uh, you, need to, you need to run a three minute mile to begin the process. <laughs> well, you know, the world record is a three in the three minute three minutes plus uh, time, and so it's under four minutes, and uh, and uh, so. But the Lord doesn't set before us this impossible thing, and then say, "Oh, you've got to do this." No, He just tells us what He says. Look at look at these things. What you need to take off or put off, and look at these things you need to put on. And uh, as long as you're in that process somewhere, uh, you're doing well. Sometimes people are really want like, like to give use the Sabbath as an example. Sometimes people are really depressed and discouraged that they. They just, uh, they, they just can't see how they can possibly uh, live up to what God calls them to do in the Sabbath. But this is a good example. God doesn't call us to, uh, to, to be perfect in our Sabbath observance on the first day of our Christian lives. But on all of these things, whatever the challenge is, whether it's to have a pure mind or to worship on the Sabbath day, the Lord gives us these high goals, and then he says, put off and put on. And so we have this before us, and it's it's full of hope on one hand. On the other hand, it, it doesn't allow us to excuse ourselves. Because if we're not trying at all, that's a sign that the Lord is really not in us, that the Holy Spirit is not operational. But if if we're trying, if we have these goals in front of us, if we can see the things that we're trying to take off, we can see the things that we're trying to put on, it gives us great confidence that the Holy Spirit is alive and at work in our lives. And so from, from verse 2 and then, um, um, I, mean, from, I mean, from verse 8 and then from verse 12, we see that um, we have these, uh, these two targets in mind, and we, we see that they involve knowing what's right and wrong, uh, choosing what's right and planning uh, the process so that it's not enough to simply know what's there, what we're supposed to do, uh, we, but the, the knowing is a really important part of it. That This is a, a rational process that we begin with uh, of, no, of being challenged mentally by what we need to put off and what we need to put on. And then the Lord calls us to, to to choose these things, to put off and to put on. He calls us to, to actively make decisions of mind, to take off the one set of things and to put on the second set of things. And then, obviously, this involves planning in our lives. How how do I do this? You know, if I, if I see things that I need to take off, well, you know, I need to I need to need to make them, maybe put that on my prayer list the things that I need to take off, the things that I need to put on. And we plan and we set up an operation, and by that we are able to do it. Um, with each of these processes, thirdly, we see how the Bible gives us these targets. So putting off all these, he says, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of our mouths, uh, do not lie to one another. You have put off the old man in his deeds, and you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. That this is drawn on the, this Christology, the doctrine of Christ that we see in this text, where there is neither Greek, Jew, Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So, In the church of that day, there were all these different types of people. And the Lord is saying, there's no class distinction in the church of Christ. You may be Scythian, you may be slave, you may be free, you may be circumcised, you may be uncircumcised. There's no difference in this process. Everyone is the same. We're all battling to become more mature in our Christianity. And the burden of this lies upon all of us and the hope of this. Lies upon all of us, and um, to whom much is given, it says in another part of the Bible, much is demanded, and so um, we may be people that have have been reared in Christian households. Uh, some of these things may be easier for us than others. I know when we're talking about our Atlanta church, they have they have challenges of sanctification that we've never faced here in this church, um, and so. Um, we may we may feel pretty good about ourselves sometimes, but that it, it all depends on where you're starting. Everyone needs to have the same uh, uh, impri- uh, response, sense of responsibility on them, and uh, it, just because you f- start further around the track doesn't mean you have you don't have to run just as hard. And in fact, as I said, too much is given, much is demanded. If you're, if you have, if you feel that God has started you out further around the track for this particular race, then there's even more responsibility on you. I feel as a pastor, I feel like I have even more responsibility on me than you do because I know more. I've been involved in this a longer, longer time. Uh, I've been exhorting others, and so lest I become uh, uh, disqualified myself, I need to. Uh, work on this myself and set myself before you as a good example. And that's what all of us have to do. So what are these goals? What are these targets? Well, I mean, we've read them, but um, he he begins with anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Um, this This would lead us to believe that of all of the problems that we have, that frustration is probably the great challenge of our lives. Uh, frustration because of where we see ourselves, frustration because things are difficult. And when things are difficult, we're prone to lash out at each other. I, I hardly know any bride and groom that have really been in knock-down, drag-out fights before they marriage. But after they get married, and after the years begin to go by, and they get used to each other, and they they, they, they get uh, less enamored with each other. Then they're more prone, prone to complain about each other. And see each other in a critical light. Well, if we can draw that picture out in terms of marriage. It works in terms of neighbors. It works in terms of families. Uh, when we bear these little children of ours. Everything is all gooey and wonderful at first. We're just... Cleaning this baby and loving him and her, her and uh, you know you th- sometimes parents have to be reminded. Remember, your children are sinful. Oh yeah, you know it's hard, but but you just you're treating your children as if they're super super wonderful. Then they begin to mature a little bit, and in the, you know some of the bad stuff begins to come out, especially where they disagree with you as you as a parent. It becomes more of a challenge. But even though these things evolve in different ways with different people and different relationships, it, it means that underneath it all, there is this great necessity of sanctification. And parents remind their children of these things. Uh, husbands and wives remind each other. But God would have us to realize that the anger and things like that are are really important. And um, that's one of the ways in which we work it out. we those of us who go to Presbytery all the time, we really have to focus on this because we're working we're trying to administer the Church of Christ and whatever comes up, we have to be sure that uh, that anger that that anger toward another presbyter or anger toward another person is way down the list. we can we can disagree with each other, but we got to disagree with each other and, and love and and appreciate what that means. So we have to put off the quickness to be angry with each other and we have to put on these things, um, these things like uh, uh, tender mercies, it says in verse 12, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So there's a wonderful list here. This, this list is not complete by any stretch, but it gets us started. And we realize that uh, the greatest uh, uh, sanctification goal that the Lord points us to is uh, humility and love. Humility and Regarding our own selves and our own personalities, what we want, what we see, what we understand—humility in regards to those things—and then love of our brethren. Um, I remember early on in my ministry, I I was very energetic in terms of wanting to do righteousness, and I uh, was frustrated with the larger church because. The larger church just seemed to not be as concerned. I was—I got converted in the midst of a liberal church where uh, most of their, i knew all of these other pastors, and yet hardly any of them were really concerned about Christ. They—they um, they were concerned with being nice to each other, but they weren't really concerned with the awful dimensions of their sin before the Lord. And so it was easy to um, look unkindly at such men and. Um, did not be very patient and not be very patient and and then uh, when I left the liberal church and got into the conservative churches like the PCA and the OPC same kind of thing I remember going to early general assemblies in the OPC and kind of losing my patience with people and uh, the arguments that they were making the goal the, the, the objects of their of what they were trying to point the church to and uh, a number of the older men, came to me and said, Dick, you know, just relax a little bit, um, You, you know, or, or talk to these other men and try to find out why they are talking as they do. So I started to do that, and I found out that, that many times I learned a whole lot from people that I disagreed with because they just were seeing things a little bit differently than I was, and the key was not just that they were seeing things differently, but they were seeing virtues and vices slightly differently than I was. And I needed to be informed by the way that they were seeing things that would really help me. So, so it is with neighbors, you know. Um, your, your neighbor may be complaining about your dog barking or your children being too loud and that sort of thing. And then you go and you talk, you take a gift to your neighbor and you invite him for coffee or you go have coffee with him and you, you say, You talk to him about, you know, what is your life like? And then you find out that he's got migraine headaches 24-7. There's no wonder that the dog is bothering him or children playing and being loud bother him. Because he's got these special afflictions that you don't know about. And if if you're willing to love that neighbor and to take him into consideration, lo and behold, that might be the best witness that you can possibly make. In terms of Jesus Christ, if he's not a believer, he'll see these people that live next to him, and unlike anybody else that's ever lived next to him, uh, they're willing to indulge a certain amount of his curmudgeonous nature, curmudgeonous nature, and take him gifts of food and fellowship and that sort of thing. And he'll ask, Well, what? what, what he'll know in his own heart that he's less lovable than he's getting from these new neighbors of his, and he may ask, well, why why is that? And uh, maybe I ought to be somewhat uh, questioned or interested in this family's reason for why they love me whereas other people haven't loved me before. There's just so much room in our lives for understanding each other's behavior or the way we make choices, uh, each of us in our lives. Um, Colossians has been talking about that already, about um, sublimating all things for the sake of Christ and his church. And so this is just one more thing. In terms of our behavior, in terms of our sanctification, the more we sublimate ourselves, the more we uh, are more, most critical of ourselves and most indulgent of others, the more glue there is to hold the church together and to build up this organism, which is the living body of Christ. How can the church be a real paradigm for the world? How can the church teach us how to be building blocks in a, a larger society if we don't learn how to be a good brick ourselves, a, a building block ourselves? But the more we learn how to be a good bricks that fit in together with the mortar of Christ, the more we're able to do that, the more we're able to be a paradigm for the world around us, and the more the church is able to be a model for the state. Do we want Ohio to be a more peaceful, loving state? Well, if the churches can be good examples for the world around us, and and in the in the sense of humility and determination and effort, well then we have um, we have. Um, all the possibilities for being good examples for the world. So there are many targets here that God gives us, and you can read through these yourselves and focus upon them. Um, But uh, if if we have these targets in mind, Then we can begin to choose them and we can can begin to plan to to obtain them. Verse 14 summarizes this process by by saying, But above all these things put on love, uh, which is the bond of perfection. You might might say like the, the mortar between these bricks that I was just talking about. But above all else put on love, which is the bond of perfection. This should remind us of 1 Corinthians 13, where the Lord says, Of all the spiritual gifts that you might aim at, aim at love. Aim at really caring about one another and putting time into cultivating that love. You can't love people until you know about them. You can't know about them until you talk to them. So you may be a very quiet person. You may not have the gifts of conversation or knowing how to do this. It starts very simply you simply we simply spend time together and uh spend time talking to one another. That's why talking after church is so important, and we do that I think this this group does that very very well we're we're interested in each other. I'm always amazed how, how <clears throat> uh people in the church seem to do this after church very freely and easily and and um uh when new people come into the church, they will take it upon themselves to uh, invest themselves in their lives, find out more about them. And I, I, whenever I see you doing that, I, my heart rejoices because I know that, that that you're fitting into this process where love is at the forefront of your minds, and, and it's the forefront of your sanctification process. And I know at the school here, that's one of the things that they emphasize with the kids, and the, I've always been impressed with uh, with the way the older students here are They're they're given a younger brother or sister a younger student in the in the school and they're supposed to be uh, more solicitous of them focus upon them help them to get matriculated into the process of the school year and it's a wonderful thing to see a school where the kids are not just stratified where the seniors won't talk to the juniors and the juniors won't talk to the sophomores, and the sophomores won't talk to the freshmen. The upper school won't talk to the grammar school, these kinds of things. But here, and in the Church of Christ, we do everything we can to cultivate and to uh, look down uh, on those who are less friendly, those who are less uh, congenial, those who are less popular. We look down and we say, what's going on with this person? How can I... How can I reach into their lives and pull them up? Is that what is that not what Christ has done with us? And uh, uh, in verse 13, that says, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But, but above all, put on love. Uh, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body. Now, love, number four on the outline, love, or uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, number five, uh, there, there is an enjoyment factor that comes out of this process. I've known, it's usually outside the church, but I've known some real hermit kind of people over the years that have, sometimes they've lived right next to the church, But they've been people that hardly anybody in the community talked to. And I've seen their unhappiness and um, their bitterness oftentimes. And uh, they're so bitter that they drive people away from themselves. Love is just the opposite. And when we find ways to become more sanctified, when when we open ourselves to other people in the church, in the community, we get, the, we get some of the fruits of this in our own lives, where the peace of Christ that we see um, in verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body. And be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all. In the name of the Lord Jesus, give your thanks to God the Father through him. When we went up to Presbytery uh, this past Wednesday, I think it was, uh, Susan and I left about midday. The sun was shining outside, and uh, uh, we often, we just don't have that much time often where we are together, where, where um, uh, Susan's not sick, and and uh, we, we were in a clean car, and we were driving along. It was just wonderful. And we, we were able to talk together. And I just, I was filled with the joy of the Lord. I, I just, I knew that there were some challenges ahead of us at Presbytery. But thinking about my life overall and having, being able to spend these hours driving in the car with the wife that I love, and having having our lives be so blessed together, I was just almost overwhelmed by the goodness of God in my life. This is uh, this is the end of a long process. Um, sometimes we go on vacations earlier on, and um, and the kids would be fighting in the back seat or something like that, and it gave you gave you more tension. Uh, Chris will tell you that uh, there was a day when I. I, I Published a magazine, uh, and, and so whenever we'd go on vacations, I'd, I'd have hundreds of magazines that I'd drop off at different churches along the way. And on this one trip we took, we'd started out a trip and we went over a bump, and the and the, the 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 books, the heavy books that I had on top of the car, caved in the <laughs> the top of the car. That <laughs> took away some of the headroom inside 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 the car. There's there's stuff that happens, you know. But uh, this other day, we were riding, and I uh, had no books on top of the car. The roof didn't cave in, and uh, I was with the, the wife that I loved, and I, just my heart was overwhelmed with the goodness of God uh, in my life. And the Lord, the Lord tells us that this will be this will be the end of our. The, the happier you are with other people, the happier you are with Christ, the happier you are because you've gotten rid of some of the crud in your life. The better off you're going to be, the more peaceful you're going to be in your life, and so uh, and uh, it mentions psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're not going to go into that deeply this week. Hopefully, more next week. But uh, the the short angle is this: is when when you have a song in your heart about these things, when when this process. Is not something that you're learning for the first time or you're aiming at for the first time, but when you've been working on it, you can see the Lord's goodness in your life, and it's it's like a song to you. You know, when we sing, uh, like the birds outside as they sing, we we uh, assume a certain happiness of spirit. We we uh, impute a certain happiness of spirit upon their hearts because they're singing these wonderful nature songs to us out there on their perches in the trees as the winds softly blow through (laughs) are wistful in their travel. And so as we sing uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, it's a wonderful picture of the peace that the Lord gives us through his Holy Spirit working upon us, through what Christ has done for us. And uh, Paul here, as he writes to the Colossians, he wants them to be a happy church. He wants them to be a church with peace. He wants them to be able to deal with frustrations and angers and resentments that come up in the church. He wants us. He wants them to be trained and able to deal with these things. It's a sad thing, but oftentimes the churches of Christ are torn apart by the, these exact same things. And when we see that, we realize that that they are not very strong. They are more carnal, carnal churches and not spiritual churches. The spiritual church is able to deal with a whole lot of tension. They're able to to live through it, traverse through the, the tensions, because they know something about Christ, and Christ is working in them, and they've seen his blessing in their lives, and they're willing to invest more of that in the future with each other even problematic people within the Church of Christ. It doesn't always mean that everything's lovey-dovey in the Church. We can disagree with each other. But underneath the disagreements, there's always this infectious love, the same love that we have known from Christ we then try to pass on to each other in his name. Our Father and our God, we pray that you would help us to not lose hope when we hear that we're supposed to be sanctified, to not be discouraged. But we pray that you enable us to have hope in this process by taking up these simple procedures of putting off and putting on and depending on you to deliver the love that we need in our hearts that will be the frosting on the cake. Bless us, O Lord, in this enterprise, help us to be sanctified. Help us to to have rational aims and goals in our lives whereby we can really accomplish these things and help the Church of Christ to be the Church of Christ. Help us to be a city which is set upon a hill that then we can become that for our nation, for our friends, uh, uh, so that even the whole world might be united in the gospel of Jesus Christ.